podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The Conte era. I gather round and hear me, loudly, clearly. We took the top dog from Wolves and disproved the alpha theory, a lot of problems. And he did not have much solutions, but he sealed his own fate when he made that substitution. I felt the pain. I understand the language of hurt, but that loss was one of the best things that ever happened to Spurs. For that sheep in wolf's clothing, it was the ending of the line. We didn't get it at the time, but it was a blessing in disguise. Once the dust settled and things got way clearer, here lies the foundations of the Conte era. When he arrived on the scene, we were ninth in the league, wondering will he get the money and the time that he need for the guy to succeed? Because we've been here before, we've seen it happen. And then they started buying players. Oi, Levy's backed him. Now he's properly part of the Tottenham army. He made the Gunners do a runner and bottle the derby. Bunch of mugs. They just prolonged it for a couple months to play a full strength Spurs at the lane and we just punched them up. Wins like that and City away are the reason we find ourselves in this position today with optimism to speak of. Because we went and leapfrogged from ninth position to a Champions League spot. No more ketchup for dips with cuisine. A pre-season grueling fitness regime. So in the 89th minute, they still sprint for the team. He's whipped them into shape and turned them into machines and turned us into believers. The love feels greater than before. And on the face of it, I'm sure it's made the rival fans and racists hate us even more and I'm here for it. You can tell I enjoy this because we nicked a point at the bridge and the whole of London <laughs> smelled like bowl piss. He takes him into battle and he's on the sidelines shooting every shot and making every tackle. His language expressive, his hands making gestures, he's madly intensive, his passion's infectious. So whoever's shooting Conte Cam, thanks for your efforts. See, I love Spurs and I love the flow of poetry. So this is giving thanks to Antonio Antony D. Until the day that he ruins the party, where Antonio Conte's blue and white army. So raise a glass, hold it aloft to the sky and sing with me. I'm Tottenham till I die. I'm Tottenham till I die. I know I am, I'm sure I am. I'm Tottenham till I die. Oh, and for you, man, on the fighting cock, even though lately you don't invite me on, I still listen and I like the pod. But I owe you guys a lot because I was struggling to rap and felt inclined to stop. Then I started doing this and I smashed the writer's block. You lot maybe remember I'm a rhyming cod. So I'll go the extra inch for you guys, of course. I won't just help you kill, body. I know where we can hide the corpse. Come on, you Spurs. It's the fighting. It's the fighting. Clock. It's the fighting. It's the fighting. Clock. Oh, come on, son. Hello, and welcome to episode five, season twelve of the Fighting Cop podcast. Today we're joined by. But I say weird joy. It's weird saying weird joined. Body is has been a part of the Fighting Cop since day dot but he ran to the extra inch because there's a little bit more money to be achieved over there is that right <laughs> every time i come on i have to defend myself that one day i was in the whatsapp group with you and then the next day i wasn't and then I, that was when i realized i was part of the extra inch i was like okay i'll go i'll go with that's, my my best friend 
That's fucking bullshit. And, and, and that, the, other, the other thing about it is like my best friend's psychic. It's not true. It's not true. He's my best friend. Be. Can't be. I've, I've, I've always questioned that as well. Yeah, Does he mean he... that or is he just like a tagline? Just, just something to say. <laughs> just basically don't trust him. Is all I'm saying, buddy. One day he's going to come and bite you, bite, bite you on the ass. I do still have a snake emoji next to Windy on my phone. <laughs> Barty has me uh, saved on his phone as a plagiarism because once <laughs> I asked, I asked him to do some research for me for a what was it for, Barty? Was it, it was I, I remember vividly. It was um, during 2016 during the Euros, yeah. and uh, Buffon had had quite the tournament. And you sent me a message saying, Barty, can you can you give me a give me a bit of information, a bit of background info? On um, on Buffon, and then um, I'll credit you when I do my little segment on Ball Street. Yeah. So the segment, uh, how do you how do you YouTubers say it, it launched? It it landed on YouTube, and I sat down to watch it, and you said everything I'd written for you verbatim, <laughs> and then you looked straight into the camera, and that's when I was expecting you to say thanks to Bardi for that information, and then you just moved on, and you, <laughs> so, you mugged me off. <laughs> I didn't. I I didn't mug you off. I just. I, I I didn't fully appreciate how much it meant for you. I just thought that you doing me a favour was enough for you. That's what I thought. It was but the it was not. the pause. It was the pause and the look into my heart, and then you just broke it. All right, a little. Uh, I've just got a little quick test for you, buddy. Um, just to mm. check that you have been listening. You know, you've left. Uh, you left us, and you've joined the extra inch. That's fine. All right, it's your podcast. Your your thing. It's just fine. We're all happy for you. We're very fucking happy for you. Right. Uh, but um, can you just tell me um, who, who's who? who what, what internet-based security company has sponsored the podcast since the start of the season? Well, it's quite interesting you should say that because I've noticed from the extra inch and the fighting cock that you're protecting people's computers and protecting their safety via NordVPN, whilst we're protecting people's health by promoting Athletic Greens. What's you, what you, you haven't saying? asked the what, question, mate. Yeah, yeah. What is it? NordVPN. You advertise extra inch. See what you're doing. <laughs> NordVPN. It's pretty solid and um, it's something I've been pondering for a while because you can get Netflix from other countries and yeah. it'd be quite nice. No, I mean, we, we, the, the, for, just for now, NordVPN is, uh, you know, we, we, we're going to be back with them in the latter part of or different parts of the season. Um, so we don't need to, do, do, to go into it too much. But Barty, if I know anybody, you will benefit from NordVPN. Like all the shit that you, <laughs> you see. Like, that, Barty, like, if you're, you look at him, like, he's such a handsome man. Uh, you know, his teeth are amazing. He's got beautiful pearly white teeth. He's got silver fox style hair. And, um, but what he gets up to, you, you wouldn't even think of. It's broken many laptops. Indeed, indeed. Uh, so we've got some questions here, Bardi. Yeah, you haven't even introduced me, which is a bit rude. But why? Are you so insecure that I need to introduce yeah. you? Speak? Yes, mate, definitely. We've got, we've got the goat blogger of all time, dear Mr. Levy's very own <laughs> spooky. You all right? Well, there you go. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome. Continue. You're welcome. Um, yeah. So before before um, we get into the the main part of the show, we had a, we sent out a request for questions, and um, Ricky sent in a few, actually, a few, buddy. Um, the first question is, why do you dodge drinks at Spurs? I don't. This is a rumor started when I complained about the price of a pint at Tottenham. I said it's outrageous. It's um, £6.29 and then Cal just said but it doesn't matter you never buy a round anyway and then it's just one of those falsehoods that's just taken truth and just spiralled out of control now okay fair enough um, why did Bardi send me an invoice for petrol money when offering me a lift to the stadium on Saturday 
I said to Ricky, I'll, if you get to mine, I'll take you to the stadium and I'll drive you home. And it was half an hour my way, so one hour round trip. I said, just chip in something for the petrol. I didn't send him an invoice. I didn't say a price. I just said, just give me something for the petrol. <laughs> well, but, but, but is that, that you, I mean, is that all right? Because uh, as, as mates, you just... It was, mostly, it was mostly tongue-in-cheek, but I showed a moment of weakness. And around <laughs> you, snakes. It's, in, it's like a knitting circle. You say one thing, and it gets whispered and whispered, Chinese whispers. And now it's, I'm invoicing him for 100 quid. Uh, another one from Wiki is, and I don't know what this means, and, and obviously um, if you feel uncomfortable in answering this in the current environment that we find ourselves, hmm. um, then don't. But who does Bardi hate most, the overweight or the poor? This is some bullshit because I used to be a larger individual and I've lost a lot of weight. And since then, I'm trying to encourage my friends to lose weight and they think it's a sign that I don't That's like large people. Exactly. And you... I'm just not. You remember when we first met Flav? I was a smoker. Heavy drinker, a bit, little it's bit un- larger. It's unreal the different the, the man that the, 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 the you've become is un- unreal. Uh, finally, Ricky says, "Why do you? Why does Buddy hate all Rickies? What have we done to you?" No, this is um, he thinks <laughs> I have a beef with um, last word on Spurs, but I don't. I don't have any beef at all. Oh, what? So, so what? Are you, what are you saying? I mean, this is going to be listened to by everybody. What do you mean? What? What? Where? Why do you think you might have a beef with? But <laughs> Ricky, just create. I don't know. He just thinks I have a beef with last word and Spurs. I don't. I don't at all. You, you, but you Bardi do doesn't have... like vanilla ice cream, basically. <laughs> but but, but you, you, uh, Need, uh, needs to sprinkle something on the ice cream. For it basically, right. every, 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 uh, of everybody I've met from, from you know, doing this podcast, Bardi is the one that holds a grudge and, and, and will, um, will go on the attack at every opportunity, use every opportunity to destroy his opposition. So it doesn't, uh, you know, he's saying that there's no issue, but uh, maybe there is. I don't know. Anyway, Bardi, uh, much more important than this, bollocks, is the fact that you're running a marathon to raise money for cancer. Tell us about it. Yeah, I'm running a London Marathon for Cancer Research. It's a, a cause that's close to my heart. Um, cancer is coming for everybody. It doesn't discriminate. It took my mum's life and my dad got through it. So I know better than most what it does. And I know the impact that everything's had on research and all that kind of stuff. So supporting me to support cancer research, all that money goes directly to research, goes nowhere else. And so it'd be really great if you can support me. If not, then just cheer me on mentally, but also support me financially. But, uh, how, do, how, how does make people make a donation? How, where, where do they find your... It's um, pinned on my Twitter account, Bardi, at Bardi, T-E-I, Bardi, the extra inch. And I'm sure you'll also put it in the, in the tweet for this, for this podcast. 100%. Um, it used to be Bardi TFC until he, uh, <laughs> he, ran, he ran for the money. Anyway, um, mate, I... Uh, you know, if, you 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 run marathons for days. It seems like you run a marathon every day in my in my mind. What what's Bardi doing? He's running. That's what he's doing. So uh, you know, it's, it's an amazing thing. And obviously, I've I've known you for many years and 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 fully appreciate what you went through as a younger man with losing your mum and stuff. So if you can raise money for uh, anything that, that that prevents someone from going through what you did as a young man, then uh, then it's a positive thing. So yeah, going back, Bardi. Um, no worries, mate. You're welcome. More than welcome. Um, so we played Wolves at the weekend, and uh, for large parts, it was a difficult game. They were very technical. They they um, they made things difficult for Spurs. What's your overarching opinion of of the ninety minutes that played out, Spook? Yeah, it it, it was difficult. It was a difficult game. Um, I don't think. 
I don't think we need to knee jerk about it. I don't think every 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 game is going to be like Southampton, where they kind of turned up. We were slow to start, ended up dismantling them. There's going to be games where it's going to just be a little bit tighter, and and it was all right. It was okay in the end. We won the game, right? It's with Spurs in the past. If you look at what Wolves did to us, you know, in the in the game last season, what Southampton did to us, what Chelsea did to us. You know, sometimes we don't find a way through. And on this occasion, Wolves, they played well. They didn't really do much. If you At the time when you're watching the game, you might get frustrated. I kind of get that because there's all this hype behind our season and everyone's thinking we're going to be destroying teams, like four or five nil. It's not going to always happen. Like the Premier League is a tough league. It's not the German league. It's not the French league. But anyone can beat anyone. And that's a cliche. And Wolves are decent, man. They, they played Without fear, you know, they, they were <laughs> courageous. Uh, but obviously, even Spurs playing at 60% of their capacity, you know, were, were, in, were in the end slightly more comfortable. I mean, ignoring the first half, which was really piss poor, but second half, they woke up. Three games in, I don't, I know we're here to talk about football and everything, but analytically, I don't know if uh, Bardi can offer more. I just, I wasn't that worried at the end of it. But we've got to be efficient. We've got to be professional. I think we were in the end. Go on, buddy. Yeah, I think Southampton, Wolves and Chelsea are three teams that kind of set up really nice to nullify us. And the teams we, we've spoken a lot about, they, they stopped us last season. They caused us a lot of problems. We're plus seven points on where we were last year. And we had some issues in that first half trying to get through Wolves' midfield. But then you saw in the second half a, a, little, bit of a little bit of a tweak a little bit of improvement and a, probably a bit of a bollocking of Conte and they played much, much better and 1-0 in the end almost flattered them. You, you, like... Oh, sorry, mate. No, I was just going to ask you about the midfield. Do, do you think that potentially that's how teams are going to beat Spurs or make it uncomfortable for us? The fact that we've only got the two in the middle and congest the midfield and kind of suffocate us and it kind of dislodges the, the, the whole fluidity of what Conte is trying to play. I don't and think... There's a counter to that, or, or is that an exaggeration after, like, you know, just a couple of games where we've been a bit uncomfortable? I don't think we're going to come up against teams like that every week that just set, that come to, to nullify us and have the ability to do it. I don't think... Um, there's not teams out there that have the quality that Wolves have in that midfield, especially not Chelsea, when, well, when they play us anyway. And Southampton will cause teams trouble. I think it's a good seven points. And a lot of this is like, Spurs this summer, we've bought ourselves a nice kind of Volkswagen Golf, top of the range, beautiful looking car. And then our neighbours have turned up with this fucking monster truck and they've just run over a load of trash cans and rust buckets. And we're like, fuck, they're really impressive. But it's not going to take them anywhere. They're just going to well, smash we'll, up a few bins. That's it. We, we're gonna, we're gonna, <laughs> we, I think we, we, we do unfortunately have to acknowledge the fact that Arsenal exist. And we will do that uh, later on in the show. But before, um, I just want to carry on with this uh, Wolves conversation because... Mm. Um, Huminson was ineffective again and I'm not saying that and I don't think any Spurs fan out there saying that it's time for him to be removed or that that we should rely on Richarlison but just based on the performance from him when he came off the bench against Wolves um, you know we, we the, 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 there'd been a lot made of the fact that we spent £50 million on a player that isn't going to go into our first or our front line but when he came on, it felt like, oh, this is the reason why we did. 
this is the what 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 he did was much more effective than Son had done previously before. And again, I'm not. I want to go at pains to say that um, you know, no one no one's digging out Son, and, and it will come for him. Of course, it will because he's such a good player. But Richarlison really impressive when he came on. Speak. Yeah, it's, it's it's difficult because players like Son and Kane, you know, you, you know exactly what they're going to give to us, right? They're, you, you cannot be critical of either player. I mean, you can be. Sometimes Son is a bit streaky. Sometimes he, you know, he goes a few games where he's not influential, um, but he he still can have that ability and capacity to change the game. Kane's never going to lose his place, but maybe. Maybe Son is thinking that he's got competition for the first time. I was chatting about this earlier today, and maybe, maybe on a psychological level, mental level, he's not rattled, but he's thinking, you know, I've, I'm, my place now is potentially, you know, I, I might be up against Richarlison. I could lose my place to Richarlison. Um, but again, it's three games. He wasn't that terrible against Southampton on the first game of the season. Yeah, he's. he's 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 not firing on all uh, cylinders, and thing is, we've got a squad now. We paid fifty, sixty million for Richarlison to basically rotate and cover players, you know, especially with Champions League football. So, so maybe at some point, stick him on the bench. He might act as a as a little kick up the arse as well, you know, if it is a mental thing. He hasn't forgotten how to play football. He hasn't forgotten how to move or to run into space for Kane to find him, and vice versa. They've been doing that for you know year after year and he had a big season last year. So so maybe he's doing what Kane usually does in, in August. It's just a slow start for him. Yeah, of course. There was um there was something that you guys said in your um very good patron five statements podcast <laughs> about <laughs> about um, almost how you refer to it that we almost have to change the language about around Sun and Richarlison. It's not being dropped. I don't think Pep doesn't drop people. Clock yeah, exactly. Drop people. They rotate them in and out according to according to the game, according to energy levels, and according to form. If we if we rotate out Sun, it's not him being dropped; it's Richarlison being selected. And I think um, I think we'll probably see that sooner or later. This is this is a this is a Tottenham thing. Sorry, Flav, mate. It's, this is a Spurs thing. It, it, there always has to be drama and narratives around everything that we do. And it's like, well, he's got to be dropped. He's got to be dropped. We've got to bring in Richarlison. And it's, then it's an argument around why we're paying 50, 60 million quid to, to sit a player on the bench. And, and Son is, is spoken about like he's fucking useless. Like he's, he's not the, the type of player that, again, will probably end up scoring 20, 20 goals this season. Like, just chill out. And, you know, the, and I know it's just language and words and it's just people just chatting about football. But, yeah, if, if Richarlison comes in, it doesn't suddenly mean Son's finished. It's like... Allow the squad to rotate. It's a long season, um, and it's a it's a season where we need to be competing in every competition, right? At the level that Conte demands, so we kind of need that depth. And at some point, Richarlison will come in, and he ain't panic stations. If anything, how great would it be if Richarlison comes in and he's banging them in? Yeah, I mean, and suddenly, what, what, do you know what, what I'm saying? What a world to be in as a Spurs fan if if um, Son drops out of the team, Richarlison is playing as well as Son Son can and and has done that's that's the dream that's that's what you're hoping for and 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 like it's it's we don't we want son to to be everything that he can be and we want kane to be the same and if if they are playing at the top of the their abilities then that's only going to benefit us but we also want someone to come in who can offer something similar 
And I'm not saying that Richarlison can even come anywhere near close to what Son has uh, has delivered over the last six or seven seasons. But to have an option is 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 impressive. And we just don't need to get caught up in this romantic idea, idea that Son has to start because he's him in Son. We, 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 from the first and foremost, it's Tottenham, and then it's the rest. And if um, you know, if we have a player who can come on like Rosarison and uh, impact the game in a way that Son hadn't in in that, those ninety minutes, then it's only a positive thing. We've got a question from Dan the Man. It says, which game do you give Richarlison the nod to start over Son? I'd give him a one-off for the Forest game, uh, but I can't see Conte giving him a start until Fulham when the first round of Champions League starts. Could, Barty, can you see any world where Richarlison starts ahead of Son? No, I still think it's a bit too early. I mean, I'd, I'd roll the dice, but I don't think Conte will. He's still a little bit risk-averse. We've seen it through his selections, not picking... Longley and Basuma and the rest of them. So I think Sun still goes against Forrest. And I think Forrest might be a good game for him. But um, yeah, I think we'll probably see Richarlison start, like, like Dan says, when, once the Champions League proper starts. Wait and speak. Yeah, I, I don't disagree at all. Um, I mean, I mean Son, Son is Son. Conte is, is a bit stubborn and set in his ways. And, and obviously, we've even seen it with Basuma. You know, he's probably match ready. He can probably come into, into the team, but it's it's like a gradual progression, isn't it? An evolution for these new players. You know, even Perisic is, uh, you know, starting uh, the other day against Wolves. It, it's a slow process, but it's one that has a design to it. It's not just him not playing players because he's loyal to the ones he's got. The ones that are in the team are the ones with the momentum. And uh, they've set the benchmark. And the likes of Richarlison have to fight and prove that they're worthy of, of taking that, that starting role. And I think, I think it'll only happen when, when it's Son that needs to be rested rather than you know, Richarlison breaking into the team ahead of Son. Yeah, everything yeah. about Tottenham is, is automations and movements and r- routines and how we move the ball out the pitch. And you could see that in the first half. We couldn't do it. We couldn't work the ball out in the usual patterns that we, that we do. And we couldn't press in the same way without Romero. And I just think it takes time for these new guys to learn how to do it, where to move. It's, all, it's, like, it's, like, um, it's like a ballet with Conte. And uh, it takes time to learn the steps. Um, that, you mentioned about not having Romero there. Davison Sanchez came in and I thought he did a good job. And mm. since... Every time we've had to rely on Davinson Sanchez since Conte came in, even under Espirito de Santo as well, he's done well. I think he do, he's got, he's he's on something like a a run of seven clean sheets or something something mental. I, th- I think it's seven seven hours if, seven if I'm hours. right. Yeah. yeah, he's a good defender. He, he remains really impressive, defender. man. It's impressive, isn't it? Didn't he just uh, can't do a Romero. Didn't he say you'd be better than Levy King <laughs> once? Oh, God. This, this, take, <laughs> this take of mine follows me around as well. Yeah. But what, what did you say? Because I don't know if you remember Sanchez's debut season. He was pretty good <laughs> in the middle of uh, playing in the what, middle of Aldevero. And, what did you say? Um, I said Davinson would go on to be better than Ledley King. <laughs> Mate, Sometimes uh, you've got to go big. I 100% agree with you. I, 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 I've been absolutely pulled over the coals again for a tweet. So, so I, I, you know, when you tweet <coughs> some mental stuff, <coughs> mental stuff when you're like, you know, ten years ago, and you look res- retrospectively on Twitter, and you get caught out for being a racist or a homophobe or a transphobe, or whatever it might be. My one is the fact that I tweeted that 
Harry Kane, I know he's young, but he'll never play for Tottenham. And that was literally, it will be 10 years in December. And uh, like, there's people quote tweeting me and, 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 and you know, like digging me out, going like, what, like, what a horrible take. Obviously, it was a horrible take in hindsight, but you can't say stuff. And at the time, he was, he was fucking garbage. Barely anyone predicted what would have what happened, mate. I mean, it was loads. <laughs> the most of, fucking lo- annoying thing is that Windy like that. did predict it. That's that's the most annoying well, thing okay. is that Windy yeah. fucking predicted it. That's the, I don't care how bad my take was. I just care how right Windy. Here's was. the thing with Windy though. He he predicts every Tottenham Academy player to make it. So yeah. he was just doing. The, he was following the same kind of. Yeah. What what happened to fucking Dennis Serkin or whatever that guy's name was? <laughs> I remember. Flav, 12 years you've been sat in front of a microphone saying a lot of things. You probably said a lot of things worse than, than that. Or 100%. made worse predictions than that. I, should, I shouldn't be able to have a career based on this. It's been edited out. But you get things right as well. Remember when you said um, Trippier would play for England and nobody saw that coming. I did say that. I also yeah. said that Paulinho was garbage. Yeah, you, well, he did end up at Barcelona. Which is madness, right? This is madness. Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, so, so we mentioned Hoybier. Actually, before that, Perisic, what did you make of his uh, first start at Spurs, Barty? Um, you know, I was concerned the first half. I thought he looked he? a little bit slow and a little bit off it, and I thought he looked like a 34-year-old wing-back trying to keep up with Neto. But the second half, he was much better. So much better. Yeah. And he, just his ambidextrousness, if that's mm. a word. Uh, it's his just... ability to, to be able to look like he's in no position to uh, deliver the ball into the penalty area and somehow he manages to, to do it. And it's not just a, like a, a Emerson delivery. It's actually a dangerous delivery that, that's kind of begging for someone to be at the end of. So, he loves a little whip, he, doesn't he? he? loves a whip. Yeah, it, it, it's just quality whips all the time. One or two overhit ones, but again, you you know when this guy's played uh, four or five games on the trot that he's going to be something special. And um, I can see Kane scoring a ton of goals off, off, uh, off his deliveries. And Conte talks about him being the the, the second half performance, being the the player that he knew that Perisic, you know, was or is, um, the one that he saw in Milan. And um, there was always a worry that, that that Perisic was a little bit old, maybe that you know playing in Italy, and this isn't an attack on you, buddy, no. but playing in the Farmers League like Italy, that <laughs> um, that uh, he wouldn't step up to a proper footballing league like in England. And uh, yeah, I mean the second half he he did well, and it's against against a very good uh, Wolves Wolves side. Semedo came on, who was fresh, who's quick, and and um, I think did you think Conte got it right by bringing Perisic off and bringing Sessegnon on when Triore was introduced? Yeah, like, I think so. I think I think swapping the wing backs is just going to be a regular thing. After an hour, he'll he'll whip them for an hour and then then just swap them out. But Sessegnon's proven himself to be a pretty good <laughs> defender. He's um he's kept some he's kept some better wingers in check than than Traore, so I think it was a smart move. Um, Jermaine Genius gave Hoybier man of the match, which I was I was I was, but I, but I was in the pub with my old man, and I was watching. I was like, fucking pull him. Basuma's right there. Just pull him. Bring Basuma in. He's a better midfielder than Hoybier. Just bring him in. Then we don't have to worry about Hoybier fucking things up. And I feel like I've, I've developed an issue with him where that's perhaps unfair. Um, 
but he was given man of the match. And there were parts in that second half, certainly in, that, in an attacking sense, that, where he was really distributing the, well, the, the ball well and was in the right position in midfield to pick up or, or offer, offer he, he, you know, just to make himself available. Um, but he's... He, Bardi, do you... Actually, no, because I, I know Bardi has an issue with Hoybier. Mm. Um, Spook, do... Is Hoybier good enough for what where we are right now? I think... Look, I like him. I like the fact that he plays loads of minutes, right? He's, you can't deny that he doesn't graft. Is he refined? Is he consistently refined in the moments? I, I don't know if it was actually Windy that said this, but someone was talking about how the reason his stats sometimes look a little bit lopsided is because he tries all different types of passes. And it's not everything comes off. That doesn't mean, you know, I'm not saying that's a good thing because if you're giving the ball away against top-class opposition, then it's not going to be good for our midfield. We'll be on the back foot. But I, I, I think my opinion of him is he's not as great as his fans think he is, but he's not half as bad as he's, the haters believe him to be. He's somewhere in the middle and the evolution of this football team means at some point, Basuma will be the number one choice. And, and, Hoybier will probably settle for the bench and, and will probably get moved on. That doesn't mean he hasn't got a, a responsibility um, in the team right now, in the, in the squad right now, because the thing is, I'm guessing Conte and other managers like the guy because of his work rate, right? Because of his ethic. And I guess that's what Basuma and other midfielders have to work towards. Um, we probably truly know the difference between him and other options when those other options are playing and actually see whether the midfield gets bullied, whether we're under more pressure, you know, when Hoybier doesn't have a good game. If Basuma's not having a good game, how much is that detrimental to the flow of our midfield? And it's these, these little things that we're not going to know that much about. I just think he's just another classic scapegoat. But I'll, I'll, I'll let Bardi destroy everything I've just said by calling him a cement mixer. Before you do, we've got this question from Michael Manning, Bardi. He says, why is Bardi so right about Hoybier but treated with such disrespect? Explain that. I think it's probably the manner I go about saying things, which gets me in trouble most of the time. I mean, I think I'm correct about Hjordberg, and I, I stand by that. Yeah, well, I call, him, I call him a cement mixer. I call him just this thing that kind of just trundles around and just churns things out. It doesn't do anything refined. doesn't do anything <laughs> really progressive. And his stats are actually good. His stats are incredible, like 95% pass rate, all this kind of stuff. But maybe, maybe there's something about him he's just not my kind of footballer. I don't like the way he moves and I don't like the way, I don't like his style. So perhaps there's something in that, that um, I like my centre midfielders to have a little bit of pizzazz about them, a little bit of swish, some hair going around the place, you know, long hair, even an Alice band, look good. You sound, you sound like a manager would sack someone because of the colour of their skin. No, no. I'm like the, the opposite. I, I like, I like the work he does. He's very good at what he does, but I just don't like something about him. That's, that's, that's how he comes across. The thing is, I don't think he's... I think Kjordberg right now is maxed out. That's it. This is the best version of him we're ever going to see. Yeah, and I think, I think he is a fine footballer, but I think we need better in that position. I think the fact... Everybody's praising him for, for basic reasons. It's like praising someone for not smelling of BO or praising someone for not having <laughs> bad breath. You should. You shouldn't. That's a standard. Should. That's a standard. standard. You're a centre midfielder who can pass the ball sideways and forwards 
of course, you're an international. You should yeah, be the, able to do that. The bare minimum you expect from someone is to wash their armpits. Yeah, he what? and he pings a couple of balls here and there, but I just think physically he's not up to it. I don't <laughs> think he's sharp enough in one-twos. And I think Genus is just a typical example. He watched the last five minutes of the game where Hjordberg was pretty good and made a one run into the corner and then G'd up the crowd. And Genus just went, oh, let's give him man of the match. Whereas the more refined viewers went for Perisic as man of the match. The thing is with, with Hoybier is that he, he, is, he is the fan on the pitch, isn't he? It, it, it's easy to relate to him because he, 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 he's not gifted, but he's, he's, he's drained every inch of the success out of his ability. But that's the problem. I want my Premier League footballers, I want my Tottenham Hotspurs starting centre midfield to do things that I only can dream about. I reckon, had I focused oh, a God, little here bit... It comes. Oh, this is this is going to be good. Go on. Change it. I reckon, had Alex, <laughs> had Alex focused a little bit and not eaten so much when he was young, maybe Alex could, be, could do Huey Burke's role. Okay. I just uh, I just want my Premier League footballers to look like they're doing things that I can only dream about. The, the, right, here's the th- here's the thing about these opinions, right? Okay, I don't disagree with most of what you said, but the same type of thing can be said about Dembele at Tottenham. That he was actually the opposite of Hoybier in terms of the way he looked when he was on the ball, the way he glided past players, you couldn't get the ball off him. But many of his haters all try to argue the point. He didn't do anything. He didn't do enough. Do you get what I'm saying? Now, I don't. Dis- I'm, I'm not saying I agree with any of that. By the way, I, I, Dembele yeah. was so pivotal to the way that we played, and some of the, some so many of the things that he did were understated and underrated. And it's easy to say, well, a midfielder should be doing A, B, and C when it's like, well, actually, that wasn't his job. There were other players to do the the A, B, and Cs. He was doing other jobs that were necessary for for those other players to be in possession of the ball. To be more progressive, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But he um, could beat the press. He could beat the press. He could beat the press. He would have yeah, played yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Peak, peak. Dembele would have just walked through that Wolves midfield, whereas Schuyberg was trying to pass through it, and it just wasn't happening. It, yes. it, I completely agree that he will eventually be pushed out of the team, and it's hmm. just the evolution of the team. We might see that this season, but. He's a good player to have in the squad because of that work ethic. And against most of the muck in the Premier League, no disrespect to the muck, he, he's sufficient. And probably why he's still in the team, because because against most teams, he gets the job done. Talking about muck, um, Man United have bought Casemiro from uh, Real Madrid for £60 million. Hoybier, as a result of that, has been linked with Real Madrid for... Well, God knows what what how they value Hoybier and how we value value Hoybier. But if we were offered fifteen million pounds for Hoybier right now, Barty, given the fact that we need we need him, we do need him, regardless of what you think of him right now, to just to remove him from our team would create issues. Would would fifty million pound be enough, Barty? Yeah, I'd sell him for forty. I think that's a that's a good profit, and we've got four midfielders who pretty much the same profile. All four of them Skip all do the same thing. In January, <laughs> when he eventually comes back, yeah, he I, isn't uh, back. That's what I'm saying. Take, like, you, right now, we've got three. We've got three other midfielders. I would take that money and invest it in Fabio Ruiz or Benacer. Go get these two, and um, change the profile of our centre midfield. 
40 million pounds of great price. Those two players, you, they, you literally could have just made them up. For all the people that are listening to, listen to this podcast, <laughs> you might as well have made those two players up. I don't even Ruiz know. Ruiz plays for Napoli, he, they, who they're trying to sell. That's why they've signed Ndombele, Anguissa, all these guys. So, and ben Asel- so, so we've got to buy a player from Napoli that they don't want because Ndombele's replaced him. Is that well, right? his contract's running out, so they need to shift him for money. Otherwise, he's gone for free. Or Ben Asel from from Milan, who's just won the league with them, scored a beautiful goal of the weekend. And he's got a release clause, I think, of 50 million. So just no, okay. no one knows what the fuck you're talking about. Um, <laughs> my, Michael Harris says... <laughs> Perisic uh, was man of the match on, on Saturday. Is he officially nailed on for the left wing back position instead of Cess? Uh, Spook, what, 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 what do you do in this situation? Because Cessignon needs time and he need, not, not, don't need to, he needs time for us to, to, to get on board with him. He needs minutes. He needs to be playing. He has to be playing at Spurs. But we've got Perisic who obviously we, we, everyone expects to be ready, like game ready and had a good second half against Wolves. What, what what would you do in that situation if you was Conte? Would you would you stick with Cess against Nottingham Forest or would you would you carry on with Perisic? Yeah, I think we've got uh we've got to protect Perisic and his thirty three year old bones. Um, the rotation thing and the, the kind of the the education of Cessignon, I think is is pivotal because I think Conte does rate him. I think it's a an investment uh, the Spurs have made in the moment. I know people will argue that we've still got problems at the fort in, in the wing back positions that we need to still look at bringing other players in over the course of the next couple of seasons. But you've got someone with the experience of Perisic and he's already, you've already seen him have words with Sessignon. And you know it's going to be massively, uh, it's going to be a massive influence on the training pitch. And he's got, he's got the encouragement to be more aggressive and, and to beat the player and, and to pick up all the little, uh, you know, slices of advice that will help him. So for the minute, I'd go back to what Bardi said, that just rotate them or, or, or start with one, playing for an hour and bring, in, bring the other one. Again, it's such a long old season. We've got the, the winter break. You've got the Champions League football as well. You don't want to play Perisic every week, you know, for obvious reasons. You, you, you want to protect him for the bigger games and let Sessignon just improve. And let's find out whether... He is potentially someone that we can invest over the next few years and not have to go out and spend 20, 30 million on, an, on another player. I think we just need to be intelligent and we need to be patient. And I think Sessignon is still good enough to, to... I know there's doubts about his you know, capacity to, uh, to be consistent um, and he's had injury problems as well, but just, just allow it, man. You know, we were wrong about Danny Rose. We were wrong about... Carl Walker, and I say we, like the 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 majority that always like to put their foot in their mouth, um, not really thinking ahead and trying to understand how a player can develop into a proper player. And I think you've got the right manager, you've got the right experienced wing back in Perisic. Rotate them, protect both, if, if anything, the fitness of one and the, the mental strength of the other. Buddy, what do you, what do you make of Sessegnon's uh, plight as a current Spurs player? I think he's been. I think I think he gets a bit too much stick. I think he's come through some injuries. He's come through alone. He's um, he's been through man Pochettino, Mourinho, Nuno. As a young kid, he's been through a lot of turmoil in a, in a few years. And I thought towards the end of last season, he 
you know, he displaced Reguilón, who when we signed him, we were like, my God, this is Real Madrid's left back. And we were, do you remember when we were scared that Real Madrid were going to buy, yeah. Yeah. buy him what, back? What, 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 how is he? So what, what I don't get it, man. No, I don't understand that either. What, what's Conte seen in Reguilón? He just thinks, nah. It's not left wing back. That's it. I think he, and unfortunately, just because he's ostracised him, he's just like, he, everyone just thinks all of a sudden he's, he's, he must be shit. And he's not. He's a great left back. And he would do really, he would do bits at a proper team that play, well, not a proper but team, Conte, a team that plays Conte, a back four. Conte switched to a back four. In emergencies, yeah. Mm. Yeah. But um, yeah, he's come through that and he, he was great towards the end of last season. And I think, I think he remains a real strong prospect had the World Cup been in next summer instead of this Christmas, I think he would have probably pushed for, for a squad place. Um, so from the same frictions last season, we've had zero points. Um, where, where are you boys at in terms of where Spurs are at? Because um, obviously they're not down the road are doing really well at the moment, which is annoying. And you can't ignore as much as I want to ignore it. Um, you can't ignore the fact that they've, 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 their first three teams have dispatched convincingly um what this isn't the free-flowing Tottenham that we experienced for the last six games of towards the end of last season so where where are you at Spook with what, what what's happening what you've seen from the football this season I think again it's way too early um 10 games in if we're struggling to beat the likes of Wolves <laughs> at, at home just in terms of not being free-flowing, not bossing the tempo, taking like 45, 15 minutes to grow into the game. If we're doing that after 10 games and, and we're kind of plodding through to be polite as possible, then it's problematic because then something ain't right. Um, but it's so unlikely for that to happen just because of the players that we've got. I'd rather start slowly. I'd rather build into the momentum that we're going to need. We haven't clicked um, it, have we? We haven't clicked. And, and you could argue that what Arsenal are doing right now is, is them playing not to their best, but maybe not far off their best. And they think that's it. But they have a couple of injuries in key positions. I, I Genuinely, I, I don't know what they're thinking is, but their squad depth, maybe I got this completely wrong because I, I don't really pay that much interest into who they've got on the bench. But they, I, they don't, I don't look at them and think... Yeah, they can they can really cope with European football and rotate in, into the Premier League the following week. I think also you add the mental fragility of that football club. No fucking team that has a manager that pulls out a light bulb in the dressing room is going to be successful. I just refuse to believe. If, it will be a, a disgrace for us to lose games against them this season and for them to finish above us just based on, on, on our tether. You know, unless Arteta's playing a caricature of himself and pretending to be this weird ca- character for the camera, no, he's, he's, he's actually weirdo, he's exactly that's my point. So it's like I, I don't I, I think they're they're a young team. I think mentally, I don't think they're strong enough. I don't think they've got the depth. They're they're doing what Arsenal do. They're kind of bullying teams that you expect them to bully. Their real test is can they play more than twenty minutes against Man City? Can they? Do you know what I mean? Can they get a result? Personally, I want us to turn up at the Emirates because we make them look good way too often on their home patch and we give them everything they want on the plate. Turn up, turn them, turn them over, just fucking end them early season. Indeed. 
You worried about them, Barty? No, because they've started. It's almost like they've started too well, and you can't sustain this. You can't. You can't go out 100 miles an hour and just believe that you're going to play like that every week. Man City is one of the best teams in the world, and they can't do that every week. So it's it's unrealistic for Arsenal to think they're going to carry this on. They've got to start running around Lithuania and Moldova pretty soon, and then we'll see what happens to them. They've had a really nice start to the season, man. Bournemouth away, Leicester, who are a joke at the moment, and they played Palace at the right time. They're not Palace now look like a completely different team. Yeah, and good. as we said, we're plus seven on what we had last this point last season, and I think that draw, even though Chelsea got smashed up by Leeds, I think that draw at Stamford Bridge is huge for us. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I think everyone felt the same as as soon as Kane managed to notch that that draw. And I I find myself at, like accidentally saying we won, <laughs> we didn't win, we drew, mm. but but it it felt like significant. And um, did you? How much did you enjoy the fact that Leeds beat him three 0 Like just not even beat him, just like slapped him up. Like I, it just felt so good because I. Honestly, I don't really give a shit about Chelsea. I don't. I don't really care. Like, I kind of feel like they're a financially dope football club, and they have been for a long time. And now, given the fact that Abramovich isn't around, that's going to change uh, Chelsea into a different football club. So, but but after that game, where you know you saw what happened, like you saw what happened in Battle of the Bridge, and then what is it? Seven years later, played that game last weekend, and where they were so much better than us, but <coughs> we've. Been- Prevented them from um, getting three points. It's just an incredible I mean, thing, and it's very Spursy of us to think it. But we always think that teams just turn up against us. But Chelsea really do just turn up against us. Well, Roy, Roy, I was I was listening to the radio earlier. A mate of mine. I'm not ashamed to admit it that Rory Jennings is a friend of mine, and he was on the radio and saying that there are only sort of a couple of times where Chelsea actually have turned up in the last eighteen months against Tottenham. Regardless, they'll always play well. And away at Real Madrid and the Bernabeu. Those are the games where Chelsea have actually played well. And if you're looking for, if you're a Spurs fan, and indeed I'm sure if you're an Arsenal fan, you're looking at a way to get into the top four. You're looking for someone to drop away. And if Chelsea are going to drop away, then that will be uh, intensely satisfying. Just need Manchester United to turn up and so so that it will put the pressure on Arsenal. That's what I want. Because I just I'm not comfortable with this idea that Spurs Arsenal are in the top in, in the in the top four together. Just don't want them anywhere near us. You would um, rather us finish fourth and then finish fifth yeah. than us finish third and then finish fourth. Hundred percent, without a shadow <laughs> of a doubt. I'd rather us finish seventeenth if they're going to finish if they're going to finish eighteenth, and we, and we we forget Champions League football altogether. I'm starting to believe that my hatred of Arsenal is more. Mm. Than my love of Tottenham, it's, it's it's getting it's getting to that to that level. I fucking hate them. I my hate wife them. does ask me this question. She got she's she's convinced that I hate Arsenal more than I than I love Tottenham. Yeah, I, 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 it's not it's not wholesome. It's not um, a healthy way to to live your life. But I am where I am, and I fucking hate them so much. Uh, yeah, but I did enjoy Chelsea getting done by Leeds. It was it was wonderful. My dad rang me up and went, "That was brilliant, wasn't it?" And I was like, "Yes, dad, it was fucking brilliant." Because <laughs> <laughs> like Leeds are not supposed to be much of anything, and uh, the fact that uh, they they turned them over, and the fact that you're now like as a Chelsea fan looking at it going, "We we beat a poor Everton team away from home. We drew against Tottenham, but played well, and we got, went up to Ellen Road and got slapped." What did you make of it? 
yeah, hilarious. You, you, of course, you're going to enjoy it. Um, and they were they were just again dismantled with with, with such ease. Um, and it is funny. I mean, it's funny because you got Spurs fans saying, "How did we make them look that good?" Um, which is altogether uh, like another. It works. Well, it doesn't work like that. You can't compare one game with another game in those circumstances. But it, again, it kind of shows you that you know, for all the hype around all the top teams, like no one's really clicking apart, apart from arguably them not down the road, but they seem to be attracting the kind of attention that like, like a plucky team like Leeds would attract. Do you know what I'm saying? It's like, Oh, Arsenal playing really good football. They're so sweet. But it's like that. You're almost condescending in the, in the, in, in the way that they're playing. I don't know why I'm back on fucking Arsenal here, but yeah, Chelsea getting dicked. Lovely. Kind of hoping Man United get dicked as well again tonight, even though they're playing against Liverpool. Love it. I want them all in turmoil. And I, I want us to be a slow brooding monster that kind of creeps up on that on, on Man City. And it just becomes between us and, and them. Buddy, Put can the we, pressure on, mate. Can we can we <coughs> can we mount a t- title challenge? Um I is. think I think we'll be there or thereabouts <coughs> come come March, end of March. April, then perhaps we might just fade away, and I think City might just canter off with it. But I'd like to—I'd like us to still be in the picture come March. I think that'd be great. Do you think that the the World Cup will have any, any impact on how mm-hmm. the, the, the 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 Premier League sort of pans out? Most of us will have, or, or the teams in the top six will have players uh, uh, playing high intensity, sort of massive sort of focal element to or mental element to them playing these games and. They they're going to put a lot into it physically and mentally uh, to just you know just do well in the World Cup and then you then have to play another half of the season. Do you think that that the quality might drop? Like the fact that Liverpool have Salah who isn't in the World Cup. Imagine him just rested and ready to go like a month off in the middle of the season. The fact that all of our players are going to be playing like Arsenal, a similar situation where their players are going to be playing. Do you, what? How, how a do bit Spursy, isn't it? It's like you almost feel like Spurs are going to be doing really well until the World Cup. I think we're going to be top. <laughs> I, I think we're going to top, and then the World Cup will come, and then and it will fuck everything up, and then it'll be another conversation that Spurs fans have to have. If it wasn't for the fact that we had this unprecedented World Cup in the middle of the season in fucking Qatar, it feels like it. Isn't it? We would have won the league. Uh, I think I think you're right on 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 one thing. As much as you can worry about injuries, injuries can happen at any point in the season. The men, the mental impact especially if England have like another good competition but part of me also thinks that you know we've still got Southgate you know leading and and, and perhaps he peaked in the Euro final um I don't know it's it's tricky but it does worry me it does worry me about how the likes of Kane and one or two others are going to play towards that winter break if they're really conscious of the fact that they've got to make sure you know, it's like any other season, to be fair, any other competition. You want to avoid injury, but more so because it's bang in the middle of our Premier League season. That is going to play on the, on, on the minds of definitely one or two high-profile players, no doubt. Indeed. Any, any thoughts on that, Barty? I refuse to recognise the validity of this World Cup. Right, because you're not in it. Well, that, yeah. the, the, we had a question from Gucci Payne here. He says, uh, what's the longest Barty has gone without mentioning that he's Italian? <laughs> this podcast. <laughs> He's not Italian. Uh, he's not Italian. He's half Italian. 
I was born. I was born and raised in North London. Born in Camden, London Borough, London Borough of Camden. But my my footballing beliefs. My mum was English. Your mum was English. <laughs> That's right. spooky. You're thinking of. Yeah, probably. Uh, so your your mum was English. Your dad is Italian. Yes. But I my football so philosophy has always been Italian. My my introduction. What does that even mean, Barney? My football <laughs> philosophy. My my introduction into football. Is was through Italy. My, I'm, I wasn't born into a Spurs family like you lot. I'm the only Spurs supporter in my family, and the only connection I have with football is through my dad. And my dad supports Leeds because the, when he came, <laughs> yeah, it's random. What? That is random. Because when he came to England in the seventies, the first match he went to watch was Chelsea against Leeds at Stamford Bridge, and he just liked the Billy Bremner Leeds. He liked um, he liked their style. So he's always been kind of a Leeds supporter since then. So I, but- I've. I'm Spurs, obviously. You're you're as much English as you are Italian, but oh yeah, more English. I am more English. But then but... fucking like join us in our misery. No, but I support Italy because that's the, my connection through football is with my dad watching Italy with him as a as a child, and that's that's what God gave me with my football connection. My dad is Italy, not Tottenham. Okay, whatever. Um. <laughs> Benny, uh, we're going to finish on this. Cheetown Spurs, he says, how much does gas cost in England? I, I, like, I know it's not football related, but it's fucking mental, isn't it? Like, I, I can't fill my car. I filled my car the other day and it was like £90. The other day it was 108 That was like about a week between. And then you got Ricky complaining about asking for 10 quid. It's expensive. <laughs> it's expensive. You know what? It's full circle. Pay up, Ricky. Ricky, yeah. Ricky, Ricky shouldn't even have uh, brought this up. It's fucking pathetic. But uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it's crazy. How, how are you dealing with the uh, spook? How are you dealing with the cost of living crisis? I'm I'm all right at the minute. Um, you're masturbating your way through it. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm okay. I'm in a, I'm in a weird place, uh, living wise. But um, ask me again in in a year or two. But yeah, I mean I mean, you know, as long as I can get just eat delivered, I, I think I can survive. Really, just about. And let, let, let's think think towards the end of the season. Like we're what well, we're three games into the current season, and um, if you'd have asked me before it started, I, I would have said third. Body, are, are you still third, or would you more optimistic? What? What? It's it's top four or nothing, right? I I, I still think third, a maybe a cup <laughs> or a good cup run, and then maybe quarterfinals of Champions League. But I think third, I think a clear third will be will be a really good. Progress. What do you what do you, th- what do you think Conte's thinking though? Is I think he's thinking to... he wants a t- he wants a shot at the title. He's going for the league, and that's just the way he believes. You'd never have Conte's not going to sit there and go, "Oh yeah, I'll take top four. That's that's my everything." He's going for a, he's going for it for sure. Do you, do you, do you believe now, um, Spooky, that that Conte is? fully invested in Tottenham and he's found his home because it kind of feels like we went through that process of him well you know Levy's not going to back him he's been backed mm. uh Conte's not going to renew his contract he did renew it um he, he, now the narrative is if you remove the Spurs haven't won a trophy the narrative is that at the end of this season Conte will leave I don't think he will I feel like he he feels comfortable he's been given everything he wants and that he he wants to stick around and and make it happen. What, what what's your opinion of Conte? Yeah, I, I I agree, mate. It's like there's you're always going to have Conte play this game where he appears not to be completely happy, 
And, it, and it's weird because, no, because like... Because he's not. It's because he's not. Well, he's the, just... Well, that's part he's of his personality had. trait. Exactly. Yes. But yeah. it's the fact that he's publicly, made, you know, putting on a show, you know, he, he, he will privately speak to Daniel Levy, no doubt, and have a, actual adult conversations with the guy. But in order to, you know, inspire the players and to inspire himself, I've, I've bought into the fact that this guy will always seem to be annoyed at something. And it's his sheer desire to be a winner. Like this stuff, of, these quotes about being nasty, these quotes about hating to draw because it's half a defeat. This is fucking beautiful stuff. This is not Tottenham-like at all. These are all the traits that we've been trying to build towards for, for years. And we've kind of become... We became more spiteful under Pochettino. We became, you know, like this band of brothers. We this togetherness, but and and this unwillingness to roll over and die. Right, the last gasp goes, and the rest of it. He instills all that into the team, so I completely buy into it, and I think he knows he's getting what he needs. And it's not just the players coming in and and, and the players that we're targeting, and perhaps the players that we're looking to bring in next season. But it's it's stuff like the infrastructure. You know, set piece coaches and, pieces, man. Scoring and, goals from corners is is something completely fucking, new for Tottenham. Well, two, two yeah, in, it's just two it's in a three, science, right? though, isn't it? Did we did we get one against um, Southampton? No, it, it was a corner that worked its way back out, and then Sun right. chipped it in. Mm. So, so the statistics will tell you that you you get a corner, you score a corner every fifty. Mm. So we've got two in two. And put that 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 deft header from Perisic just to nod it over and then came just there. Yeah, Kane's and, movement was fantastic. Yeah, well, that's that's, it. that's the thing is like, it's not like it's not easy scoring any a goal in the Premier League. It's certainly not easy scoring from a corner. And the fact that you had to rely on the fact that Perisic had nodded that on, which you know, one in fifty, he may not have got to that, and then come across and and and. Harry Kane had already done the work before the ball was even delivered. That was all like just. I mean, to be fair, the the thing that won us the game was the, was the booze at half time. I mean, that that's, that was the game changing moment. I thought you know, we the disgruntled. The disgruntled few. What did you make of that? Like, what what are you doing? Oh, mate! Listen, Bruce, where I was. Why are you booing? Why are you booing? <laughs> you tell us. Where where I was in in the upper tier, uh, east stand, it felt like the booze were coming from the south stand. So I don't I, I don't know for certain if that was the case. But, but like, what's what going are you, through your mind if you're listening? But to what this? are you booing for, mate? Like g- genuinely, what is what are you actually petulant about here? Like, how dare I pay the money to come watch Tottenham? Who I've been told on Twitter that we're going to win the league this season and we can't even beat a Wolves team. Like, where's no, the me- mentality? No, do you not but, watch football week in week out? No, like, but I think can... they do. They do. They do. The, the people who are booing there, they do, but they just cannot. They cannot compartmentalise the fact that Spurs aren't blowing Wolves away. And Wolves are a good team. I'm not a booer, but I defend the right for booing. I think if you're pissed off... Three games in, Vardy, come on, mate. I'm not a booer, and I wouldn't do it. It's not my my thing. But we've played pretty shit, and I can understand why people booed. I get it. I get it. I don't think it's the most helpful thing. But it, it's in this world where our, our football team is so fucking distanced from us, and we're just these, we're just these things bobbing along in the ocean, and Tottenham is this oil tanker just going straight past us. I think this is the only reason, only way we can convey a message to them. Harry I Kane's not reading his tweets. Spurs admin doesn't give a shit. They play crap. We told them they play crap, and I, 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 I get I it. Like, no, I, I fully appreciate it, but know that there is an impact of what you're doing. 
and you're not fucking it isn't you booing that that made Spurs play better in the second no, but, but for those people who booed they would have gone I told them what was what but, and then the second buddy, yeah, but then they're fucking idiots buddy surely <laughs> surely getting behind your team and everyone being being in in it together as happy clappy as that sounds is more powerful mm. That you know you're you're back in the team. You're telling them you know you can you can definitely aggressively tell your team to wake the fuck up. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And get and make that noise. Which which we reacted to the way they came out in the second half, and everyone started believing we were going to change the tempo of the game. I just think it's just pantomime. I know football is a bit of a circus most of the time, but I just don't see the validity in doing it, especially so early on. It's not like it was a disgraceful performance. And it's yeah. Wolves, man. They're a decent, a decent team. You, you, uh, they, are, they are a good side. There's a time and a place, and that, that definitely, three games in, is... is I'll, I'll tell you something else whilst, whilst I'm banging on about this. I don't think, as a fan base, we're built for sustained success because we cannot cope with the potential that we might challenge for the title. We're three games in and, and people are shitting the bed already. I mean, that was a stressful like, match, and I, w- I was thinking was, if we have to do a good match, yeah. more like that, it's going to be painful. Well, I I, I didn't rate the the performance in the first half. I really didn't. I hated it. I thought thought we were... It's frustrating as fuck, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But no part of me did I think that I would boo that team off. And the problem is, is, is if you were a part of the people that did boo Spurs off in in, in the first half, no one's looking at you going, yeah, fair play. Well, I mean, body maybe, but... Most of us are not looking at you going fair play. Most of you are thinking like you're making us look like cunts, right? You're making us look like cunts. And if it doesn't turn out to to work in the way that you think it will, then you're making us look like idiots. Is it, it, more to the point? Like we. It's what gooners do, man. He sounds so Arsenal. He's so Arsenal. He's so I agree. Arsenal. I agree, but I will always stand by the right that if you're pissed off, tell him. I don't mind. Yeah, but 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 by by, by all means. Tell them, but also know you're going to look like an Arsenal fan. What do you want to do? So, tweet them. Fuck you, get it up, get it up, bit, and Flav. Well, there's a bit. There's something called stoicism, which uh, a lot of, a lot of people in today's society could do uh, take a lot from. In that, just sometimes things are difficult. Just fucking deal with mm. it, roll with it, and then wait for the good times. And there are going to be some from Spurs fans. The ones you're, you're right. Are, you're right. It was it was kind of early in the season to boot. Kind of early. He's fucking uh, two and a half games in. Like we, 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 this is the same team. The, the team that you were booing was the same team that you were fucking doing backflips because we smashed Arsenal. Do you know what? I, I wish we had ago. sometimes. I, I wish we were a little bit more deluded or a little bit more cultish, like like the way mm. scousers are about their team. Because I, I, I think if if everybody was on the same page like that. We we would we would be more influential as a fan base, I think, in those games. Whereas yeah, we're, 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 we've always been really loud when things are going our way, and we're really up for it against our rivals. There's no doubt we've got fantastic away support, and we're, we're in, we, we we can make noise, you know, in in our own patch. But we're from, we're from I think London. we're too we're too fragmented and too um, you know notice. don't oh. don't tell me what to think. All that kind of you know, everyone has their own opinion, and I love the fact that we're like that. We're diverse in that way, but. No, Again, no, I don't... No, no one's telling no, you no, how no. to think or, or what, how to behave or whether you should or should not boo. We're just saying you, you, you sound like a dickhead if you do. 
Yeah. We, we are not fundamentalist enough. And I think this is an issue as well when our ex-players go on to become pundits and stuff. They're just very neutral. Whereas everyone mm. else seems mm. to create these pundits who just tow the party line. We have fucking Jamie Redknapp and Teddy Sheringham and these kind of guys who are very just, you know, you, you wouldn't know they were Spurs fans or they were there to be the Spurs pundit. We don't have anybody just, just backing us apart from Michael Dawson and poor guy can't get a gig anywhere. <laughs> All right. <laughs> That'll do, boys. Um, I, I don't know what do you want me to do? To, to go and listen to the extra inch? Is that what you want, buddy? No, no, you, um, you can just sponsor me for the London Marathon. It'd be great. Good. Done let's it. do that. Let's do, let's yeah, do that. cheers, Spook. Follow uh, Spooky at Spooky24. And... Uh... <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> Love you, boys. Up the Spurs. Podcast Network.